1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's going to be one of those interesting shows. Melissa, I, now, I'm sort of in a mood today. And it's, I mean, oh, no. I, I, well, well, no, but it's, I'm kind of cantankerous. But that, that actually <laughs> sort of makes, I mean, it's not a bad mood. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's just kind of like a, I'm, I'm sort of cantankerous. Now, hmm. if you were in a bad mood and you're not, you, you have an excuse because you don't feel well. You, you've been I, a little under the weather. I have been under the weather. I'm feeling better today than I was yesterday. But I like it when people admit they're in a different mood because well, then you yeah. can be... Well, you know. I mean, it, it's it's just it's just it's just advance notice. I mean, right. I, look, I, I understand that it's a Friday, but I'm kind of in a cantankerous mood, so we we'll, we will see where that that goes. I look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. A number of people I can tell they're already catching on. We are back every the first segment or two of every program. We live stream on Facebook dot com. You can go to Facebook dot com slash six twenty WTMJ and you can follow along. I, I know people are catching on because there's already a handful of comments up on, on Facebook and we haven't even started this. In addition, if you go back to Facebook later on, we something else uh, it's the royal we that we have started every day. There's there's this thing where we, we'll take a clip out of the program and put it up there for people. And that's again it's the royal we. My producer Gru does that, but you can check that out. If you also follow me, Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty uh, I tend to send out a, a number of tweets, and that's my New Year's resolution. And so far, I've kept it up and uh, give you a hint as to some of the things we're going to talk about during the course of the program. So you can check that out as well. Also retweeted something from Channel 12 meteorologist Mark Baden that caught my attention. It's going to lead into what we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. But I want to start today with a review of an issue that's still hanging fire in connection with the Jamie Kloss case. Everybody knows the story by now. Jamie Kloss, of course, was the 13-year-old woman who was abducted by this this monster back in mid-October from her from her home. We all know the story. The guy apparently just saw her either getting on or getting off a school bus, became obsessed with her, goes back 1 o'clock in the morning, murders her parents abducts her and then keeps her in in this cabin in sort of the middle of nowhere for the better part of 90 days in what is nothing short of a miracle the guy leaves the house for several hours she is able to free herself and and what happens is again they're in a very remote location in wisconsin what happens is she's um gets gets loose gets out of the house she's you know running through the woods or whatever and she's found by a woman walking her dog near gordon which is uh, a a small a small town in northwestern wisconsin the woman who's walking her dog her name is jean nutter she takes jamie to the home of peter and Kristen kasinkas who then call 911 okay so you know and then we we all know that the story has a, a to the extent that a story like this can have a happy ending it has a happy ending in the fact that she is she's recovered they catch the bad guy he is being prosecuted all right well while the search was going on during that 90 days People were, again, trying to solicit information. And one of the things that happened is the FBI announced that it was going to post a reward, $25,000 for people that had information about her whereabouts that led to you know her, her being d- discovered. So they offered a $25,000 reward on October 24th. Um, shortly thereafter, the Genio Turkey Store, which is where... Jamie's parents work, they doubled the amount to $50,000. So there's this reward that's out there, 50 grand for people providing information leading to um 
discovery of of uh, Jamie Claus. All right. So we know the circumstances. There is this $50,000 reward out that's out there. And so now there is a discussion. It's going to be the FBI that ultimately, I think, that makes this decision. But the question is going to be, what happens to this reward money? Should it go to the woman who was walking the dog, who Jamie found when she got loose from the house and took her to the folks who then called 911? Should it go to the folks that made the 911 call to the authorities? Now, by the way, they say they don't want the money. They say they don't think that they deserve the money. Should it go to Jamie herself? She's the one that, that got free. Should should th- th- this not be paid out? Is, is the whole idea behind the reward well, it, it's designed to encourage somebody to come in and provide a tip that you then, you know, use that information that, that goes and makes this discovery. Under these circumstances, is nobody entitled to the reward? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, 50 grand, a lot of money. What should happen to the reward? Who should get it, if anyone? 414-799-1620. Again, we're live streaming this segment, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. We are back to discuss in just a moment, what do you think should happen to this $50,000 reward money? We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1214, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1216, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As often happens in missing person cases, you will have people that will put up money for a, a reward to encourage people to provide information that leads to a crime being solved or in the case of an abduction, somebody being found. That's what happened in the Jamie Claus case. The FBI, about 10 days after the incident, offered a $25,000 reward. The business where uh, Jamie Claus's parents worked matched that. So it's a $50,000 reward for information leading to her whereabouts. We all know the circumstances now behind her you know, being discovered. She got free when the monster who had held her and abducted her and murdered her parents when he left the house. She got free. She's running through the woods. She finds a woman who's walking her dog. The woman's walking the dog. The woman then takes her to another house where they call 911. All right, you've got 50 grand in reward money. Is anybody entitled to this? What's the right thing to do with it? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Scott in Greendale. Scott, your first. Good afternoon. Hey, great topic, Jeff. Um, so I'm not an attorney. Legally, maybe uh, the woman that was walking the dog would have a legal case for entitlement to the money. I'll, I'll leave that coming up to you. But as a father of three, come on. I mean, this this young lady, you know, who is not 18. Her parents are brutally murdered. She is going to be dealing with this for the rest of her life and dealing with psychological expenses, psychiatric expenses, and, and all that. The money needs to be put maybe in, like, a nice fund or, you know, a trust that she can draw down on medical bills or something right. like that. Right, or something, use it for college or something. So you'd Absolutely. say you put the fifty grand in a in a Jamie Claus trust fund that she gets when she's 18 or something like that. Absolutely correct. Got it. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a moment, but I'm curious as to the reaction. And, again, 
you know, the who who gets this, if anybody? It's always, you know, very, very discretionary because it's designed to encourage people. I mean, let, let's face it. It's designed to encourage somebody to call in and say, you know what? I, I heard somebody talking in a grocery store and they, they, they said something and I got the license plate and this is where the license plate comes back to. I don't know that this is the, the typical sort of situation. So I guess the authorities could say, well, there's really nobody that, that gave us a tip that led to her discovery because she freed herself. So you could make that argument that maybe nobody's entitled to it. Now, I'm not making that argument, but what do you think would be the right thing to do? 414-799-1620, Bob and Franklin. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. What should happen to this dough? Well, I think I think under the circumstances, um, if she if she should at least take the money or get the money and maybe put it in a, in a future college fund for herself, or like the previous caller said, maybe uh, apply toward some medical bills should she need them in the future. Um, so you think she's I, she is entitled to the extent anybody is? It's yes, her. I do. Yeah. I do. I think she's entitled to it. Well, what about the woman who was walking the dog who, you know, they, they kind of bump into each other? I mean, theoretically, she, she discovered Jamie. Well, that to me was luck. I mean, yeah. she just happened to get herself out of her her predicament, and the lady just happened to be the where, where she was at the time. So I think that was more of a, right. a chance thing. Right. Yeah. No, no, th- so, right. Yeah. I mean, thanks for I mean, call. As no, no, I, I understand. I mean, as opposed to, I, again, a lot of times this is it's it's for tips. This isn't one where somebody called up and said, you know, there's this really odd guy, and I I I I, I saw some suspicious activity, and I think you should focus on him, and I think you should go to the house. That's not what happened here. She got herself free. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And again, the the folks that called 911 when the dog the woman who's walking her dog and jamie showed up at the door they they say we don't want it we you know we, we we didn't find her we we just we just did what anybody would do under these circumstances we called the authorities after they arrived so they've kind of taken themselves out of the equation brian on the north side brian you're on wtmj hello hello thanks for taking my call sure. um the two last callers took the words out of my mouth um the right thing to do is give it to jamie um, nothing could pay back her. She'd been through a lot. Her parents are gone. We can't bring them back. And this will help her. That's, that's just the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, you know, even if, you know, even if technically it's not what the reward was necessarily set up for, if there's $50,000, you think that she deserves it more than anybody else? Yes, I do. My heart goes out to her. I, I would give her more if I could. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. Well, and that's, I mean, that that may very well be the case, too. Uh, let's talk to Betty in Menominee Falls. Betty, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I just had a thought. I thought maybe it might be a good idea to split it up a little bit, give Jamie, um, I don't know, 30000 or so, and give 10000 to each of the people that helped, you know, save mm-hmm. her. And um, they can, in turn, give it right back to her if they mm-hmm. like but it would encourage people to do the right thing if nothing goes to, you know, people who helped her along the way. Um, maybe people won't want to do that in the future. Right. Well, Betty, let me ask Just you. Let, let me ask you this. Okay. Imagine, imagine you are out walking your dog. Imagine you are that woman. That, that Jamie Kloss found in, in the woods that day. Okay, so you're you're the woman walking her dog. If somebody offered you a portion of the reward, would you take it? 
I probably would never take money, but yeah, I no. don't know what other people would do. <laughs> no, no, no. I, that's why I mean, th- well, thanks. You know, thanks. No, I, I, the reason I ask that is because un- under these circumstances. And I understand there's some circumstances and conditions under which people would say, well, if you're going to offer, hopefully, you know, in, in a perfect world, people don't need to, people don't need to be promised a reward to end up doing the, the right thing. Hopefully you just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do in a situation like this. And I mean, again, regardless of how they decide to, to divvy up the dough, I, I'm, if, if I were walking my dog, and, you know, you have a similar situation like that. Some, you know, girl who's been missing for in 90 days under these circumstances has gotten away from her abductor and, and comes running out and is looking for help. And I'm, I'm walking my dog and we immediately go to the nearest house and call 911. Even if they offered me a reward, I, I wouldn't take it. I would say I haven't done anything. I, I, I haven't done anything to deserve any sort of reward. I, I just did what anybody w- would do. You know, some under these sort of circumstances, which is to help the, this poor girl who's gone through, you know what? And and again, I I that's why like the people who called nine one one, I give them a lot of credit. They're saying well, we didn't do anything. We <laughs> she shows up on our doorstep. Yeah, we're we're going to call the police and notify them. We're we're not entitled to reward. I I guess that that's sort of a long way of saying that I think this is a no brainer. I mean, I I guess. I think clearly, if if you want to do the right thing, the moral thing, I, I think that that reward money should be paid out. But I, I think it should be paid out to Jamie Kloss. Now, you can figure out how exactly you do it. I sort of like the idea of a trust fund. I mean, she's 13 years old. You know, a, a college a fund or, or something that, that she gets when she's 18 or, or whatever. But I, I do think more than anybody else that she she's the one that freed herself. Now, whether that technically qualifies as the what the FBI intended when they set up the reward or what the turkey store intended when it decided to match the FBI reward, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I guess maybe you can split hairs and, and say, well, nobody should really get it. But I think that would be wrong. I think the appropriate thing to do, put it in a trust fund and, and give it to, again, give it to Jamie at the appropriate time. To me, this is a no-brainer. Pure and simple. We'll see what the FBI does with it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you for participating on Facebook Live. We do it for the first two segments of every show at the start. When we come back, it is the story that affects each and every one of us. And no, I don't mean the government shutdown. Stick around. 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. In just a couple minutes, we're going to get the latest update on what will be apparently the the first significant snowfall of the year. Now, I say significant. I I, I don't we we are. This is not Stormageddon. This is not the White Death. We're not talking about, you know, two feet of snow um, that's going to come. And then we're not talking about two feet of snow that's going to stay for the next two or three months. We're, but we're talking about a, a decent size, at least predicted snowfall for some parts of the area. And of course, that's, that's the lead story all over. Now, interestingly, Mark Baden, who's the uh, meteorologist for Channel 12, I, I, he sent out a, I think it's a pretty funny tweet and it's going to lead into what we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. Um, and I retweeted it. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. It said it's time to play snow bingo. And, and what it is, it's a bingo card for people who watch TV news during weather coverage. And every time you see this, you check off a particular box and you see who gets bingo first. Here are some of the things that you watch for. 
Bingo, snow bingo. Reporter with a snow shovel. Anchor tells reporter to stay warm. Interview with a plow guy. Reporter uses stick to measure snow. Warned to stay off the roads. Every time you see one of those, you you mark it. Snow referred to as white stuff. TV station reminds you to stream them. Reporter at a hardware store. Reporter at the salt pile. Yeah, you, if you want to tell which reporters are, are not in good standing at their stations, it's whoever gets assigned to go down to the city salt pile and watch the trucks like be filled up. I mean, that's, that's of course one of the ultimate cliches. And it's like, okay, Frank, you know, we're mad at you. It's your chance. You got to go down to the salt pile. Reporter um, alongside or over highway. Yeah, for anybody who thinks there's glamour in covering local TV news, talk to somebody after the fourth time they've stood out there in a snowstorm at a truck stop in Fond du Lac. Um, okay, more of the bingo squares. Weather promo at winter weather promo airs. Reporter in station's parking lot. Reporter picks up snow. Reporter goes sledding. Uh, viewer photos of kids or pets in the snow. Your town appears on the snow total graphic. Uh, let's see. Store referred to by human name. Somebody refers to the bunker. TV station asks you to send in your snow photos. Um, weather guy tosses to other weather guy. <laughs> and you just kind of check these things off. And then the first person to notice it and get bingo wins. There, what I, One of the things I like about it is there's so much truth in this. And, and I understand that weather is one of the common events that affect us all. And we all want to know, you know, what, what's going to be happening and how bad is it going to be. I also understand that weather coverage is one of the things that, well, people feel extremely strongly about. And we are going to discuss your pet peeves when it comes to weather coverage in just a moment. Twelve thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we're we are going to get apparently a significant snowfall around th- this area. Now they're not predicting a foot or two feet of snow. I mean, depending more snow to the south, less snow to the north, three to five inches, I guess, in the general area, starting sometime this evening. A lot of it overnight, and, and then cold air to follow. So I, I want to understand. I want to say at the up at the outset. I mean, I. I understand that, you know, three to five inches can, can be a bit of a big deal. I, I get it. And if you have to drive through this and you have to go somewhere, it, it's, you know, you, you, you want to know about that. In addition, by the way, this is, let me just, this is, it's kind of Dr. Jeff. I was at the, um, when I was getting my physical a month or two ago, the, my, my doctor sets me aside and says, do you shovel snow? And I say, well, you know, I, I live in this condo now. And, and no, they, they come out and they plow it. I might have to kind of shovel just this little bit of a walk that we have. But in general, no. And he says, well, that's good because he said it, it's actually, he said snow shoveling is about the worst thing that you can do, especially if once you get to a certain age, because typically what happens is people don't warm up. You just kind of run out there and you grab the snow shovel and you start going at it. And that's, he said, that's where like heart attacks come from. So if you're shoveling snow over the next day, just you just kind of be careful and warm up and take it easy. Not saying you don't shovel snow, but you it's, it's one of those things that is um, something that you want to keep in mind. All right. In addition, I understand that one of the things with weather is it's something that affects all of us. You know, maybe you're a Packers fan, maybe you're not. So when you hear Packers coverage, if you're not into football, you're not a Packers fan, you, you tune out. 
maybe you're a news junkie and you can't get enough of the latest developments involving the government showdown, slow uh, shutdown. So, so it's yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. But for a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, we're, we're not interested in that. So there, there's so many stories that are out there that some people are interested and other people aren't interested in. Almost everybody, though, is interested in the weather because it affects us. If you have plans for Friday night, well, it it affects you. If you have plans for Saturday, it affects you. How bad is it going to be? How much rain are we going to get? How hot is it going to be? So weather is something that we all care about, especially when there's something extraordinary or out of the ordinary or where you have a big storm that's coming on. In addition... And I know one of the things that drives people crazy about television coverage of weather is that it seems like they're saying the same thing over and over again. But here, in fairness, is what you have to remember. There there are people coming in and out all the time. I mean, it's not like everybody sits down and turns their their television on and has it on for three or four or five hours at a time at the same station. A lot of times what happens is people will check in, they'll want to have an update, and then they they check out. Well, if you're not in weather coverage and you have one of those people who comes to you at 4.15 or whatever, and you're not telling them what's going on, they're going to go somewhere else. So that's why you get a lot of the the repetition. That being said, um, th- there are a lot of cliches, and the thing I just shared with you, the snow bingo from the Channel 12 meteorologist, kind of hits on, on, on a lot of the cliches that you find with weather coverage. You know, in addition, I, I think there are sometimes we collectively have problems processing the information. Now, for, for example, unless this storm turns out to be a lot worse than I think a lot of people predict, I'm not going to change my plans. Uh, we're, we're, my, my wife and I, we're going to dinner tonight. We have 7 o'clock dinner reservations with friends of ours. I, I have every intention of keeping those dinner reservations. 12 o'clock tomorrow, I'm supposed to be out in Pewaukee to watch my nephew play play basketball. I intend to, to keep that. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to alter my plans. Now, if, if all of a sudden something happens and the roads become impassable, all right, maybe I will change that. But I'm, I'm not going to alter my plans based on potential forecasts. In addition, as I have said on multiple occasions, we, one of the things that's crazy, just absolutely crazy to me, especially here in southeastern Wisconsin, is the fact that when you get a prediction of a storm that, that's coming, like a snowstorm, the fact that you have some people who, in, in my opinion, with all due respect, don't know how to process that, and, and they run out and they've got to buy all the milk and buy all the bread. I mean, it's just, to, to me, that that's that's nuts. We do we do snow really well here. As, as, I, as I was saying yesterday, the, the last, what I would call a real blizzard, that I remember was the week of the Super Bowl back in 2000, I, I believe it was 2010 or maybe 2011, I, wh- whichever that was, last time the Packers played in the Super Bowl. Well, a couple days before the, the Super Bowl, I think it was the Tuesday before that Sunday game, we got whomped by this major storm. We're ca- talking about a couple feet of snow. I mean, it was, a, it was a true blizzard. But the truth of the matter was, by noon the next day, the, the roads were passable. Stores were open. People were able to get out. So th- this isn't like may- maybe, you know, 1890 when you'd have one of these monster snowstorms and, and you couldn't get out. Now the reality is that even if we get whomped with snow, it, we're going to do a good job of dealing with that, and it's going to be inconvenient, but you're going to be able to get to the grocery store, so you don't need to buy two weeks of provisions, and yet some people behave in in that fashion. 
this storm, I mean, the predictions, like I say, three to five inches, four to eight inches, you know, whatever. But, you know, obviously it's going to be inconvenient. It's something that people want to pay attention to. It could, I guess, be dangerous if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. So you want to be aware, but it's not like it's the end of the world. It is what I would describe as a routine snow event. It sounds like it's going to be a relatively routine snow event for people that live where we live. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is probably, in fairness, the first major snowstorm for most of us. I understand about a week or so ago you had the big snow activity to the south. But for most of us, this is going to be the first major snowstorm. And it's obviously getting a lot of attention, and it will continue to get a lot of attention. Here is my question to you. What drives you crazy, if anything, about the way the media covers snow? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it the, here, we'll send the reporter down and have him stand outside the salt pile? But what is it, if anything, that drives you crazy about the way storms, in particular snowstorms, get covered? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your chance to vent. We're back to discuss in just a moment, 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve forty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, I, I will say this: if you talk to TV news directors, they will say, "Well, look, we, we we have this weather coverage, but we're 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 not hyping it. We're just doing. We're giving the viewers what they want. And if the the viewers, the people that are taking this in, if, if they can't figure out how to process it, it, it's not our fault. And that's why, like, for example, when, whenever we do this stuff, I, I know. There's people in the hospitality industry, you know, people who run restaurants and stuff are going, oh, my gosh, you know, if you tell people it's going to snow, does that mean that they're, they're not going to go out and they're not going to go out to fish fries on Friday nights, which is one of the reasons I say, well, I'm, I'm going out to dinner tonight. I have no intention of changing my plans. 414-799-1620. What drives you nuts about severe weather coverage? Let's start with Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're first. Good afternoon. How you doing today? Hi, Richard. Hey. The biggest problem I got with the weather and the way the forecasters do it is they never really give you any information. They dance with you. Uh, let me get back to you in a few more minutes. I'll tell you what's going to go on. Uh, after the next break, I'll tell you what's going to go on. And they never do. <laughs> oh, the, like like the teases to keep you hanging on there. Here exactly. I, you know, yeah. oh, we're, we're going to tell you what's really going to happen in eight minutes. Hang on past right. the commercials and things like yeah. that. Now, they, and well, I, yeah. I plow snow for a living, and, uh, you know, me of all people got to know what's going on, and I sure as heck can't watch the guys on TV to get it. <laughs> well, they don't know. Well, uh, th- thanks. For, uh, and again, and see, and part of the problem, and I, I am sympathetic to, to some of the issues that come on with trying to predict the weather around here, because you, you've got a big area, you've got this thing to our east called a lake, which does, you know, has lake effect, and it does change the dynamic. And you know, a few miles one way or the other can can make just a huge difference. So I, I think it's difficult to predict these types of things. A- at the same time, I, I do think collectively we have over the years become weather weenies in, in the sense that 
going back to my basic premise, that we do snow really well here. I mean, when you get a prediction of a few inches of snow, or, or even five or six or seven inches, which is a significant snow event, I, I'm not downplaying it, but for for most people, it's not going to be the, the end of the world. It's not going to all come at once. It comes over a bit of time, and yes, you're going to have to shovel your walks, and yes, you're going to have to have your driveway plowed or plow your driveway, but you're, you're, you're going to be able to get around, unless there's something really extreme, you, you you're not going to be in life-threatening situations. Do you have to take your time on the roads? Absolutely. And if you've got really, really far to go, maybe you want to delay something. Yeah, that's okay. But, you know, really, three, four, five, six inches of snow, it's it's a Tuesday in Milwaukee, 414-799-1620. Jeff, regarding uh, storm coverage, my wife and I always ream out the TV when they go to a hardware store and ask the manager what people are buying for the storm. No crap. People are buying shovel salt and snow blowers. Um, yeah, of course, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that, that, that is kind of, that is sort of an, an observation there. Yes, but let's go to the hardware store and see what people are buying. That's kind of like, gee, it's 95 degrees on the 4th of July. People are buying ice. Donna in Cedarburg. Donna, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. It drives me crazy because you would think this is a weather phenomenon of something that never happens here, or so it, it, it just doesn't happen here. And it happens every year. It snows. You live in the Midwest. You know what to do. Tell us when it's going to get here, how much we're going to get, get approximately, right. and, and let it be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I again, I, I understand that there's, you know, it, it's one of these things where if, if we're looking at, 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 again, a blizzard sort of situation, well, it's going to be two feet of snow and it's going to be followed by zero degree weather. I, I mean, I understand. But again, for a lot of these storms, they are what I would describe as what you're talking about, too, is they're typical, they're ordinary snow events, four inches, five inches, even six yeah. inches of snow. It It happens. And for most of us. Well, you know, it's just you, you kind of live with it and you just adapt. You live in Wisconsin, for goodness sakes. I actually feel sorry for some of the news anchors because they don't want to be talking about it either. You can tell that they think it's stupid. Well, I mean, thank you. Who you thanks for calling down. Who you really should feel sorry for? You feel sorry for the, the TV reporters. And I, and I, I always, I you know, I used to. Used to be on TV news every day doing doing something. Haven't done that for a few years, but you know the, the, these poor TV reporters. If you if you think there's all this glamour in, in this, well, okay, talk to them after they've stood by after they've stood by a roadside for about the second or third time at a truck stop in Fond du Lac or wherever. You know, with the wind blowing, saying, "Well, it's snowing out here. There goes a salt truck." If you think there's any sort of glamour in TV news, just Talk to somebody after, like, the second or third or fourth stand-up remote that they've had. Yes, everybody knows that it's snowing, and everybody knows that it's a little bit crummy outside, and everybody knows that, well, you should take certain precautions. And and nobody is suggesting otherwise. It's just, all right, it's not a a blizzard. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Joe in Manitowoc. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks for the uh, the, the line here, Jeff. Sure. Unbelievably, the... Without question, the most overhyped business there is. I swear to God, we're going to get three to five inches. This is Wisconsin snowflake. That's like, yeah, so <laughs> three to five inches, this is like nothing. You know, I don't even think about my snowblower until it gets to 10. <laughs> and the other thing that just kills me is that these television stations, and we're more Green Bay oriented here, they've got five weather guys. What I want to know 
is what do these guys do during the rest of the day when all we have is sunshine and 75? Well, I mean, I tell you what, but, but, but here's, here's the thing. Weather is one thing that is incredibly competitive because, and I go back to the start. I mean, and I'll just explain the business of this. I mean, weather is something that, that everybody tunes in for. Maybe you don't watch news as a general rule. Maybe you know, there's a lot of people that are out there like that, but because weather is something that affects us all, well, then everybody, everybody does in fact tune in, which is why you have uh, again, you know, people who are always on the ready for when there are the bad sort of stories and things like that. And I have somebody texting me saying, well, I mean, you know, you, you know, this is it, it's going to get cold after this and people should take these warnings seriously. And what about people with medical conditions? Well, they, they need to be out there shopping now. Well, OK, I, I, I understand that there's always going to be those types of, of situations, but that's not the norm. Now, obviously, if you have trouble getting out or something like that, yeah, maybe you want to go out now and you want to, you know, get arrangements and, and get a day's worth of food or two days worth of food or whatever. If you have trouble or medical conditions, I appreciate all that. But in general, I, I think the reality is that given these predictions by tomorrow at noon, most people are going to be able to get out of their homes and they're going to be able to get to the grocery stores and they're going to be able to go about their lives. You just need to be smart about it. Um, but we we will continue to keep you informed as to what's going on because again there there is a huge interest in this. I, I understand. I just always urge people to, well, I mean, keep it all in in perspective because sometimes there are truly extraordinary you know weather events. Oh, we just got two feet of snow followed up by temperatures you know below zero that are going to be that way for a week. I, I get it. Sometimes oh, there's been I mean obviously tornado coverage or gee we've just had one of these things where we've got these record rainfalls and you've got all this kind of flooding and things like that. Obviously those are the types of things that people you know really want to be paying attention to. I don't know, a couple inches of snow. Well, you know, decide your own individual situation. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve fifty six, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Um, of course, the, the, the breaking news story nationally that that has some people just salivating. Is this the smoking gun that brings down the Trump administration? Uh, last night, uh, a report on on BuzzFeed News by a couple reporters, one who kind of has a, a checkered background of, of getting things wrong, cited unnamed federal law enforcement officials who say that Michael Cohen, he was the sleazy lawyer who was Donald Trump's fixer. And if, if you want to talk about people that maybe deserve each other, it would be Trump and Cohen. But um, the claim is that Cohen acknowledged in interviews with the office of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, that the president directed him to deceive Congress about key facts linking President Trump to a proposed deal in Russia. It, it, it's easy to get in the weeds on this one, but in, in Cohen's testimony to Congress a, a while back, what he said was that, yes, we were, when I was working for Donald Trump, we were negotiating with Moscow to try to, you know, build a condo tower in Moscow. We were negotiating with Russia. And Cohen said that um, he told Congress that, that those, those efforts to make that deal ended in January of 2016. And he said, I, I, I lied 
the we really we kept going on this until May. So it actually it happened five months later, and that was the whole basis for one of the perjury counts against Cohen. Well, this report says that um, supposedly the special counsel believes that Cohen lied to Congress at the direction of Donald Trump. All right, and so and it'll it'll come out now. Obviously, the Democrats are saying, well, this is true that here you have the president who's suborning por- perjury, et cetera, et cetera. You know, whatever the facts are, what will come out one way or or the other. And the report said there's emails and there's stuff that support that. Again, we'll, we'll wait and see about that. My my reaction to this whole thing, again, it is just how if this is the case, you know, how how dumb I, I just I, I've been I've said this about the, the whole relationship, like with Stormy Daniels and stuff like that and and paying her money to try to not tell her story. I, I, I don't think there's one person that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 that wouldn't have voted for Donald Trump if he had acknowledged that he had a one night stand with some pornographic film actress in, in 2006 or 2007, a clear non voting issue. This is the same sort of a thing. I mean, I don't think would somebody not have voted for Trump if negotiations to build a, a hotel tower in Moscow, if they carried on until May of 2016 instead of ending in January 2016, if in fact this was true. And I don't take a position one way or the other, but if this is the basis of some sort of cover up or suborning person, It is just so incredibly stupid to me because, again, I don't believe anybody would have not voted for Donald Trump in November of 2016 if they believed or knew that, gee, he was negotiating to build a a tower and the negotiations carried on three or four months longer than was initially suggested. I just don't think people would care, which would make it such a dumb thing to lie about or to suborn perjury, perjury over. I'm not saying whether it happened or not. I'm just saying the underlying thing, how dumb if it happened. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108. This is Jeff Wagner. If you've been listening over the last week or two, I, I understand... You you probably have sensed the frustration I have with the ongoing government shutdown, which is now the longest government shutdown in the history of this country. Um, Before this current shutdown, you had to go back to Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton in 95 and 96 to have something even close. And now the government continues to be partially shut down which means lots of services aren't being provided. It means that federal employees have been furloughed, although they're they're going to get their money at some point in time. So for hundreds of thousands of federal employees, it is an inconvenience, but it is essentially a taxpayer paid for vacation on the other that they didn't ask for, but that's the effect of this. On the other hand, you have people who have expenses and bills to pay, and they're not getting paid to do that. In addition, you have hundreds of thousands of federal workers who have been told that they have to come in and they have to work without pay, which I understand maybe you disagree with me on this, but I think that's absolutely wrong. I mean, I just don't think that it is reasonable to expect people to come in and work and not be paid. And that's why I think one of the outrageous things about this shutdown is the idea that the White House and Congress hasn't been able to agree that if somebody's going to be deemed essential, they should be paid, and we have to figure out ways to at least pay the people that are working in a timely fashion. In the private sector, you wouldn't do that. You know, if your boss said, well, I, I expect you to come in and work every day, 
but I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay you this Friday or next Friday or the Friday after that. And I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay you, but don't don't worry. You'll get paid at some point in time. Chances are you'd probably stop coming into work, but the federal employees aren't allowed to do that. So we, you, you have this this shutdown that's going on. And, and now let us just be honest about this. This isn't about policy at, at all anymore. And... and I don't care if you hate Donald Trump or love Donald Trump or hate Nancy Pelosi or love Nancy Pelosi. This isn't about policy at all. The federal government has a $4.4 trillion budget. This shutdown is not over principles about spending on, you know, this program or that program or reigning in entitlements. This shutdown is over the president's insistence on $5 billion. Now, 5B as in billion dollars is a lot of money. I get it. But in the scope of a federal budget that's worth $4.4 trillion, $5 billion is a drop in the bucket. So President Trump, he, as part of his campaign, he promised that he would build a border wall. By the way, $5 billion doesn't come close to building a border wall, but it, it builds a fence or a wall or a barrier along some parts of, of, of the border. All right. So he wants the money for that. Meanwhile, you have the Democrats, many of whom have recognizing, I think appropriately, that barriers do have a role in providing security. I mean, what was the example I gave yesterday? I mean, Summerfest. Summerfest has fences and gates because they don't want you just, they don't want people just walking in without paying. I mean, Miller Park has fences and gates. All right. You, you go through the gates to get in. Why? Because they expect you to buy a ticket to get in. So, I mean, to suggest that fencing or gates or, or a barrier of some sort has no role in border security, I think is absolutely absurd. Is it going to stop? Um, is it going to be the, 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 the huge element that the president has made it out to be? No, I don't think that's the case either. But we, we ha- we've had fencing for years and years. As a matter of fact, a number of Democrats voted for border fencing over the years. I mean, President Bush wanted that, and they voted to support it because it's part and parcel of overall border security. I mean, I, I think to suggest otherwise is absurd. But here's where we are now. President Trump is, is dug in. He can't go back on this because even if he were in his heart of hearts to think, well, maybe this barrier isn't that important, um, he's promised his base that he's going to deliver. Meanwhile, you've got the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, etc., who think they're winning. They, they're part of the resistance. They can't give Trump anything. In a rational, reasonable world, th- this is something that takes two minutes to resolve. You sit down and you say, okay, we're not giving you $5 billion for the wall. We'll give you $2 billion. which, again, kind of a, a drop in the bucket. And you already have all sorts of walls and fencing, and the president says, well, I want $5 billion, but I'll t- take $2 billion, and then we'll, we'll hassle this out another day, and everybody goes back to work. That's what reasonable people do. Unfortunately, we're, we're not in an era of reasonable people. There is a piece out today in the Atlantic magazine by somebody named McKay Coppins. I want to share with you a portion of it, and then we're going to talk about it. Here's what the – and if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a link to this story. Here's, Here's the headline. Waiting for a shutdown to end in disaster. 
Aides on Capitol Hill feel that a dramatic government failure may be the only thing to force President Trump and the Democrats back to the table. Here's the article. As the longest government shutdown in American history lurches towards its fifth week, a grim but growing consensus has begun to emerge on Capitol Hill. There may be no way out of this mess until something disastrous happens. This is, of course, not a sentiment lawmakers are eager to share on the record. But in interviews this week with congressional staffers on both sides of the aisle, I heard the same morbid idea expressed again and again. The basic theory explained to me between weary sighs and defeated shrugs goes like this. Washington is at an impasse that looks increasingly unbreakable. President Donald Trump is dug in. So is Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Democrats have public opinion on their side, but the president is focused on his conservative base. For a deal to shake loose in this environment, it may require a failure of government so dramatic, so shocking, as to galvanize public outrage and force the two parties back to the negotiating table. In these interviews, I heard an array of macabre hypotheticals, from airplane crashes to food safety scares, TSA strikes, and terrorist incidents. But the one theme that ran through every conversation was a sense that the current political dynamics won't change until voters get a lot angrier. This is all pageantry, a Democratic House aide said of the posturing by Trump and Congress. It's going to take a big national event to move things. I mean, we're at a standstill. One senior Republican Senate staffer told me he could envision the shutdown lasting until March when federal funding dries up for food stamps, a crisis that would be hard for Washington to ignore. Not only are there going to be a lot of hungry families, he said, but there's going to be a lot of Walmarts and Safeways and Kroger's that are missing revenue because they sell food to people on food stamps. Others warned of potential flashpoints in American airports, where TSA agents and air traffic controllers have already been working without pay for weeks. Some Republican lawmakers close to the White House have privately concluded that the shutdown won't end until TSA employees stay home and Americans get furious about their flights. And the article goes on and on and on in this vein and then wraps up like this. On Wednesday night, I spoke with a Democratic House aide who confessed that she was ambivalent about the shutdown. The battle had unified her party, with Democrats linking arms in defense of their ideals and in defiance of Trump. Polls suggested that the majority of Americans were with them and that the optics of the fight were good. While it might be horrible for the country, she said of the shutdown, it's fine for my party. And yet for her and many of her colleagues on the Hill, she told me, the mood is general depression. She found Pelosi's latest stunt, disinviting Trump from the State of the Union, pointless. And she longed for a bipartisan deal that would let her get back to work on a proactive policy agenda. She was trying to stay upbeat, but she told me, it's pretty bad. I've been in D.C. nine years, and I've never seen people this miserable. All right. I want to go back to something that really caught my attention. I guess two things in in this article. One is that this growing consensus that nothing is going to happen until something really, really bad happens, whether it's the TSA workers going out on strike, not showing up and essentially preventing you know airports from operating or food stamps not getting paid for. So people don't, you know, aren't able to to eat. I mean, something like really bad. And then you can consider ideas of something maybe even worse than that. So that's number one, which is frustrating. But but secondly, that this conventional wisdom is that nothing is going to change unless people get a lot angrier. 
414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Regardless of whether you blame Democrats in the House or, or Donald Trump or, or whatever, I, I guess I want to test this. I mean, how angry are you? Do you care? That the government has been shut down for the, the better part of what you know five weeks now, and it appears that this is going to continue to go on for week after week after week. There appears to be no movement at, at all. How upset are you over this? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, and and should we be waiting until there really is a disaster of some sort sort before people you know get back to the table, or is this just something that you know both sides need to suck it up and get this thing done? Give Trump some money, not all he wants for the wall, but give him some for the for you know a barrier so he can declare victory. Democrats can say, well, okay, we we didn't give him everything we wanted, you know, we held his feet to the fire isn't that the way adults resolve this how angry are you over this 414-799-1620 and what's scary to me is i I think this story kind of hits on something given the way things are now i am afraid that something really really bad is going to have to happen before the people that we have elected and i'm talking about republicans and democrats just decide to grow up and get something done. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you want to join us. 122, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A couple of people are asking if if furloughed workers, federal workers, get unemployment and after you've you've been out after you haven't been paid for what a week it depends on the state in the state you're eligible for unemployment and then they get back paid do they have to pay the unemployment back the answer is yes jeff in milton jeff you're on wtmj good afternoon yeah i i really am not feeling any effects from the shutdown and so i guess i'm i'm kind of ambivalent and until Again, the one thing I thought of is if it somehow ends up delaying the filing of tax returns and tax season and impacts me in that way. Um, then you'd be mad as heck. At, <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, right now, I, you couldn't tell me whether that portion of the government is shut down or not because I'm not feeling any effect, and I think a lot of Americans feel the same way. Um, so it's it's going to, ta- in your case, you're, you're, for example, one of the people they're talking about in this article. It's going to take something dramatic that really affects you before you're going to get mad as heck and really, really start demanding that there be some end to this, huh? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No. No. Thanks. Thank so when that, and that's the point that that they're making. Now, it is interesting that you bring up tax returns because in every other government shutdown, the people that process tax returns at the IRS have been furloughed. That was the original plan here late last week recognizing that there would be this huge anger and uproar if people didn't get their tax refunds in a timely fashion and tax refunds would start going out at the end of the month, early February, stuff like that when people start filing. So then they decided we're going to bring in all these federal employees who work for the IRS who we're not going to pay, um, but we're going to bring them in to process the tax return. So again, we want to, we, we, we want to try to minimize the, the pain here because we, we don't want that anger. And, and I mean, I, I guess I I understand. I will say this. If it starts affecting air travel and you get to a point now, and maybe maybe I'm being personal about this because over the next couple months, I've got one, two, I've got three different, you know, trips, one week long vacation and two kind of like mini trips that that are planned. And if the idea is, okay, you're it's going to take you now. I don't know, five hours to get through an airport, uh, you're, you're going to have, I, I think, an uproar. 
But I, I understand for a lot of people, this isn't impacting them if they're not a federal employee who's missing a paycheck or you're not somebody whose business deals with the federal government. You're, you're not angry. But it, but it shouldn't come to this. This is what it's so frustrating to me. It, it shouldn't come to this. This sometimes in previous shutdowns, it's been over big issues and policy issues. This is this is over a fence, for goodness sakes. And it's not a fence on the whole border. And it, it's just and it's a it's a drop in the bucket. It's not about the policy anymore. It's not about money anymore. It's just all about winning and appealing to our particular tribe. Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Good caller. Uh, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's, it's common sense. I'm kind of upset that this hasn't been resolved. But this is about Trump making his, his, his eternal mark. He wants that wall. That's his monument. He was campaigning on it. You know, if he gets this wall, this is going to be like the Trump monument. It'll make him... It'll give him his legacy. Right. And I think that's why the Dems are dug in, because they are just like, there's no way we're going to give this guy that kind of status. Right. We want to impeach him, you know, so we're digging in because, you know, we want you to be like a little blip on the radar. We don't ever want people to go back and go, the Trump wall, the Trump wall, the Trump wall. I think that's why they're... Really right, and they, they don't want him to be able to go back to his his base, whatever that base, the 35% of the people who, you know, that this is the issue, and say, look, I was able to deliver for you. They want to cut his legs out politically, and they think that the they, they think that they're looking at the polls, and they think that the majority of Americans are with them, and so they're they're all dug in. Meanwhile, everybody else everybody else just ends up on on hold for these things. It drives me crazy that you can't get a settlement a- here. Abs- absolutely, and I think that right now it's more about like the power mad freaks that are in control. You know, they're just like. Right. You know, we we got we've got to win this one. This is kind of like yes. the end game here. No, it it you is. Know, no, in, in you're this right. Whole, this whole situation. No, no, thanks for it, it, it. This isn't about the policy anymore because again, and I I I've always if you're a regular listener to this program, you all I, I've always been ambivalent about the, this wall. Okay, I, I I always think that it was magnified as far as what it's going to accomplish. But but like I say, five billion dollars doesn't get you a wall across the whole border. Five billion dollars gets you you know maybe some more fencing and maybe some more you know elements of that in certain places, which I guess I I think like I say I think it's it's reasonable. I mean we we do have fences to keep people out. Summerfest, Miller Park, all sorts of other places you know so you can have some regulatory stuff and five billion dollars in the grand scheme of things is a drop in the bucket if you would look for some of the silly stuff that the government throws billions of dollars at it's just i mean the wall really and a lot of democrats have voted for the wall for walls or fencing or whatever you want to call it but now because it's donald trump they can't give him to that again the, the easy thing is you divide it in half you split the baby and what ends up happening, and then everybody goes back to work. But we can't do that. Democrats can't give in to Trump. Trump can't take anything less than you know what he wants. Although I, I think if the Democrats, I think if they gave him $2 billion for a wall, they, they'd sign up. But the whole thing is just incredibly, incredibly frustrating to me. Danny in West Dallas. Danny, you're on WTMJ. Well, I'm exactly like you. Where you say it's extremely frustrating, same here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government shutdown doesn't affect me whatsoever. But all the time, all I'm seeing is a government system that seems to be reactive instead of proactive. Yes. And all, all they seem to do is really, instead of 
listening to the general public and realizing that, okay, your decisions do affect others below you, all it is is let's negate whatever the other party's trying to do. Right, right, and let's try to get a win. Nope, thanks to call Danny, and then let's try to get a win. And look, I I guess what really caught my attention about this story is I – I just don't want this to be a situation where we, we have to wait for a disaster to happen. Uh, uh, something, you know, going, and I'm not predicting this, but, but something going on, you know, with some airplane somewhere or a food safety scare or something like that. We shouldn't have to wait for the worst to happen. Should we? Isn't, is that too much to ask? 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One thirty-eight, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Wow, this is—it's just another example of kind of the changing landscape of what's going on now. We, we talked a little bit yesterday about the, the the struggle that newspapers have to try to stay relevant and try to make money and things like that. And I, I, I could end up being wrong. I, I acknowledge that, but I. My prediction is within the next five to ten years, with the exception of some major national newspapers, maybe the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, I think local daily newspapers printed and delivered to your home, I think that daily delivery, I I think it's just not going to happen. I I think the economics of it are just going to be overwhelming. And it's not to say that, you know, quote-unquote newspapers, so the information is going to die. People want that, but they're going to do what I did a couple years ago and just go to getting your information digital, digitally. And I understand that there's some people who, you know, like like having the hard copy of the newspaper there, but that's a generational thing, and as the costs continue to go up and the content continues to shrink, I, I just don't think there's going to be enough people to support that business model that's anymore. And, you know, one of the interesting local stories is you you have a national hedge fund, which is when they have bought media properties in the past, what they've done is they've come in and they've pretty much laid off anybody they can find in an effort to try to cut costs. And they're going after Gannett now. Gannett is, of course, the company that, puts out USA Today, but owns the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, etc. And and they're offering a premium for Gannett stock. Uh, if 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 this takeover goes over, if they take over, it's it's not good for it's certainly not good for the local newspaper. Here's another interesting development. As somebody who has lived in this area for most of my life, I can I remember like the Journal Sentinel building, you know, downtown that's sits pretty much directly across from I still call it the arena what it's the UW Panther arena now but you know it's this this big building it's the six story journal sentinel building 333 west state there's also a four story building that once housed the Milwaukee Sentinel for people who haven't lived here all their life. We used to have two papers. There was the Milwaukee Sentinel, which came out in the morning and the Journal Sentinel which came out in the afternoon and then ultimately even when they were owned by the same company at a certain point in time, they, they still had the Sentinel and they still had the Journal, and then they merged them and they, it became just the Journal and it became just in the, the morning paper that's out there now. The, this space also holds Major Goolsby's Sports Bar, and there's also a parking lot. So it's that big area that's there. And I can remember when I first started working for 
journal communications. Now, this would have been 20 years ago. I, I can remember a couple times going to meetings in that building because the we were all under one corporate umbrella, and the, the people – Yes, it was the newspaper that was there, and they had the printing presses and all that, but they also had corporate offices. And I can remember going into that building, and it was just, it was packed. It's six floors, and there was, there was this, the, where the newsroom was, and there was the executive office and things like that. Now it's like a ghost town. And the, the story is that that, that building, now apparently it's pen, there's a sale pending on this, and what's going to happen is it's, they're looking at a mixed use development or something like this, and will the people who, the handful of people, relatively, the relative handful of people who still work for the newspaper, will they stay there? Will they move to some other space? You know, no, nobody knows for sure. But it's definitely going to be, you know, one of the ends of an era that that building, and it's no surprise. I mean, I think a lot of people are predicting this for a while. But it's no surprise, but kind of the end of an era, that uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel buildings, there's a sale pending and maybe a major redevelopment project. That's very valuable land because it's a couple blocks away from Fiserv Forum and all sorts of things that you can do with it. But there was a time that you, you never thought that that building would be sold, and that's not today. All right, when we come back, it, some people are saying it's childish. Some people are saying it's brilliant. We'll talk about it. It's 143. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Forty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so two days ago, Nancy Pelosi and we were, of course, talking about the, this ongoing government shutdown. That, uh, admittedly, it, it makes my head hurt. And I understand there's some people who just love to see the political infighting. I'm a guy who likes to see stuff get done. I, and and to me, when compromise is so apparent, it's and it's so easy. And this is one where there's an obvious compromise here. It, it's just frustrating to me. So Nancy Pelosi. Because she likes the optics of this, she sends President Trump a letter saying, all right, here's what we should do. In light of the fact that the government is shut down and we don't have money for this or that or the other thing, I think you should suspend the annual State of the Union address um, and either, again, not come to Congress and, and have this. And you can give it to us in writing, satisfying the constitutional obligation. But we don't need a we don't need a spectacle on you know on on an evening. So that we should do that for the shutdown. Well, Trump doesn't say President Trump doesn't say anything about that for a day or two. And I thought it was kind of surprising. Well, yesterday what was supposed to happen is Speaker Pelosi and a, a number of members of Congress. There was a congressional delegation, and they were going to Afghanistan with a stop in Brussels to, to visit troops and to get a security briefing and they were going to travel on on military transport and about that i mean there's a like a bus there getting ready to take them to the the military airport and about 45 minutes before uh the word came from the white house that president trump was was grounding their plane and as the commander-in-chief president trump is the one that gets to sign off on military transportation and he decided he he wasn't going to do that so he grounds this and you know he sends this note where he says in light of the 800,000 great american workers not receiving pay i am sure you would agree that postponing this public relations event is totally appropriate i also feel during this period it would be better if you were in washington negotiating with me and joining the strong border security movement to end the shutdown obviously you still have the option of flying commercial but you know he kills the military transport at the last minute and therefore you know kills the the trip 
Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, you know, what's what's really going on here? Well, obviously, this is, again, this ongoing, you know, game of, game of what's of one up upsmanship and you know who's the boss here you send me this note saying that you want to cancel the state of the union address okay my response is fine i'm i'm going to i'm going to cancel you know your your trip on the military plane should the president have done this 414-799-1620 that is the accurate mortgage talk and text line and in fairness the president said that he's also he's canceling uh, U.S. delegation trip to this high-profile economic conference in Switzerland because of of this shutdown. He said, "So you know, we're we're not going to this either." But all right, was this a was it a brilliant move by the president? A game of in a thing of one up upsmanship to show you know who's the boss here, or was it childish and petty, or? Was it both? 414-799-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. And I guess it, it could, in fact, it, it could, in fact, be both. 414-799-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I am genuinely curious as to how you feel about this. Um, do you applaud the president for doing it? Did he get the better of Nancy Pelosi? If he got the better of Nancy Pelosi, uh, was it... Did he still, did he look petty in, in doing it? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell you what, our phone lines have jammed up. Let me take a quick break, give Gru a chance to get the calls lined up, and we'll be back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 149, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. 152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi and a congressional delegation are within an hour of of, of getting on a, a plane yesterday to go to Afghanistan via Brussels to to visit troops. And President Trump said, who controls military aircraft, he says, nope, sorry, I'm not going to let you go. Uh, you need to stay here and get this all worked out. Clearly, that was in response, I think, to the letter that she sent him saying, hey, we should cancel the State of the Union address during the shutdown. All right. Was it childish? Was it effective? Was it both childish and effective, I guess? Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're first. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Jeff. Jeff, I'm glad he did that. She has no business leaving the country when this is going on. I believe they should lock all the leaders and Trump in a room till something is solved, because all Pelosi's doing, they're playing for 2020. Everybody knows this. Right. So you think that it was you? You think that it was not only justified but a practical thing. Stay in Washington. Let's get this thing fixed. Correct. And uh, you know that um, with. Uh, with her leaving, what what's going to get solved? You know what I mean? They got to get this done. This is getting a little silly now. Thanks for getting silly. <laughs> no, I think it is. All right, here here's a text. I think what happened here is that there have been too far too many political arm wrestling matches between the speaker and the president. She forgets he is the president, and she for once was bested at her own game. While I would love nothing more than for something to get done and the government shutdown to be over, I personally was in support of the president. I think it was petty. But I think it was necessary. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Joe in Green Bay. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I um, I think up in Green Bay we have a pretty good example of somebody doing things the right way in Mike Gallagher. And I think Trump. Um, I think Trump keeping Pelosi from going abroad is is only going to help him, whether people like it or not, because 
with all the people who like Trump and say he doesn't play politics, um, he's just putting a stop to every everything that she tries to come to come at him with. Right, right. So you think it's kind of like turnabout is fair play, and 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 they should all be staying in Washington and trying to negotiate an agreement. Right, and you, I mean, you log on to Twitter, which is in some people they think that's Trump's worst. Uh, worst nightmare, and some people think it's his greatest weapon. But mm-hmm. you see all these articles about his ratings dropping on Twitter, and I don't think he believes that. I think he believes that him continuing to speak out and push back against some very long-term politicians, I mm-hmm. think that's only going to help him going well, forward again, whether you like him or not. Yeah, I mean, thanks to call. Well, I mean, I think... Look, there's no question. I mean, one of the reasons they're all dug in, and you're right, it's 2020, and it's about appealing to your own tribe, your your own base. I guess I look at this, and, and I think I think two things. Was it petty? Yes, it was petty. I mean, let, let's face it, it, it was. At the same time, was it was it a, a brilliant move? Yeah, I, I think you know, in some respects, you could describe it as as a petty but a brilliant move. Saying, "All right, look, you know, you want to cancel the State of the Union address because we don't have money. Well, maybe maybe you shouldn't be flying on a government plane, you know, um, a, across the the across the world to to do that." So, I, I think you know, you can kind of see both sides. That the bottom line, and but this does kind of underscore the silliness. It's silly for Nancy Pelosi to send him a letter saying, "Okay, we're going to delay the State of the Union address." It's also so, I mean, it's silly for him to cut the legs out of her if she wants to take a, a trip, which is all the more reason why wouldn't it just be nice if these people could figure out a way to, uh, again, just get a deal done. And it's like I say, you could get this particular deal done in the space of, of 15 minutes. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lewis on the south side. Lewis, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I think your first caller hit on it really well. Uh, that's her boss. Um First, she refuses to negotiate with him with the simple word no. Uh, then she tries to tell him that he can't do his job and have the State of the Union address. Now she wants to fly off signaling to everybody, again, that she has no interest in uh, solving this issue. She doesn't care about any of the people that uh, are on furlough and aren't getting paid. She's just going to go off for at least a week. Yep. So that's at least another paycheck that these people are going to miss. Now, where is... Uh, you know, I don't. I don't even understand her. And to call this petty, I, I I don't even understand you guys on that one. This is her boss. Well, this I, is a guy who's making the decisions, and she has no right to be doing this. It, well, it was a perfect response. Well, I mean, thanks. The reason I say it's petty is that the reason she he is not her boss. I mean, she's the speaker of of the house and she has her own degree of now look i'm not a nancy pelosi fan don't don't get me wrong but let let us let us be honest why did president trump do that do you really do, do you really think it was because he wants to force her to negotiate or do you think that he wanted to show her hey i'm 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 the boss i'm the one that can control this stuff and if you want to threaten to not have me come address congress this is how i can respond and, and that's why i think i i mean to me I firmly believe that this was less about 
gee, I, I, I want you here in Washington negotiating, and more about, hey, I, I think I can win some of the optics on this. And that's why I think it's, you know, in some respects it's brilliant. In some respects, I, I think there was a degree of pettiness to this because I don't know that anything's going to get done. But I, I do think this is one particular situation that I think maybe President Trump comes out on top. Now, there is there is a story today, and I do want to mention this, that at the same time they pulled the plug on the Pelosi congressional trip, he did authorize an Air Force plane to fly his wife down to Florida for a long weekend. So that's that's out there. Now some people are saying, well, okay, you, you pull the plug on the congressional thing, but you let your wife travel there. Now the Air Force isn't covered by the shutdown, so maybe you could make a distinction, but I, I think that might be a little bit too subtle. Bottom line is, it makes for interesting theater. It, it does. And I, I think, you know, I mean, I understand why the president behaved like he did, but really, the, the, the way this gets resolved is you get Pelosi, and you get Mitch McConnell and you get Trump and you put them all in a room and you put in some fast food and you say you're not going to come out of this room until we have this uh, agreement. And it, it should it shouldn't be that hard. There is an agreement there to be had. It's 159. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, okay, here's a common sense story. You remember about two weeks ago, I told you the story about this this weather man who ended up losing his job because, well, his name was uh, Jeremy Koppel, and he, he had a slip of the tongue in connection with Dr. Martin Luther King. You, you might remember the story. He's on live TV, and he they've got in the background, he's doing his weather forecast, and they've got in the background of uh, of the live broadcast, they're, they're, they've got a camera, and it is at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Park. And so he, he's doing the live broadcast, and he has a slip of the tongue. And instead of saying Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Park, he says, Dr. Martin Luther, and then instead of saying the word king, he says a word similar, I guess, to king that is a derogatory term if you were to apply it to African Americans. It's kind of a very dated sort of term, but it would be a racial slur. But he, he goes on and he does the, the weather forecast, and, and it's apparent that it was a slip of the tongue. He doesn't even know he, he did it. It doesn't even register at the time. He just goes on and does his weather forecast. Well, somebody who's watching the, the show gets very, very bent out of shape and goes on social media and says, oh, this, this guy just uttered this racial slur, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, then all sorts of other people start piling on. And again, if you, if you watch the clip of this, it, it's it's live television. And maybe I'm somewhat sensitive to this as somebody who makes his living speaking extemporaneously for three hours a day, five days a week. And, you know, I, I mean, it, he had a slip of the tongue. That That's it's clearly what it was. And then once once this, again, goes viral, I hate that because it's such a cliche, but it goes viral without really even talking to him. His bosses, who are so freaked out about this, they, they fire him. They say, okay, you're you're done. 
And I remember when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we, we played the guy's response on Facebook. And it, it's like a five-minute response. And he's like, look, I... I there was there was the farthest thing from racism in my mind. I I speak quickly and I just I stumbled over this. I wasn't trying to be cute. I wasn't trying to be racist. I, I have no history of this. I stumbled over this. Rochester, New York, I think, is where this. But it, but station management was so freaked out about this. And oh my gosh, there's people out there accusing him of racism that they fired him. They fired him for this. And interestingly, and I think appropriately, the station got a lot of backlash from a number of people, including people associated with Dr. King Jr., um, who, who said, look, re- really? I mean, this, you know, th- th- this was not evil intent. This was just something that happens when you're doing live television. Well, interestingly enough, the same thing happened just the other day. Yesterday morning, 5 a.m., there is a newscaster on a TV station, KTVI, in St. Louis, He's doing the 5 a.m. show. I always have sympathy for people who are doing the 5 a.m. show. But during the 5 a.m. broadcast of the TV news, he says an upcoming tribute is going to be designed to honor Martin Luther King Jr., except he doesn't say King. He says the same word that the meteorologist said two weeks ago. So, again, it's a slip of the tongue. And I don't think he even knew it again that he had done it at the time. But what happens is somebody calls his attention to it. So during the 9 a.m. TV broadcast, he comes out and says he has total respect for Dr. King, what he meant and what he continues to mean to our society. And he said, again, this is this. It was called to my attention that I I said I mispronounced the, the name and I'm, I'm sorry if anybody was offended. Okay. At which point in time, the station, unlike the station in Rochester, New York, the station here says, okay, that, that's the end of this. No, we're, no, we're not going to fire him. No, we're not going to discipline him. This was an inadvertent reference. It was a slip of the tongue. It wasn't any intentional sort of racial slur. He just misspoke. And this happens from time to time. And that's it. That's the end of it. So no discipline at all. Now, interestingly, the St. Louis, that response has not been met well by some people. I'm looking at one of the people that go on on Twitter and says, St. Louis newscaster uses racial slur instead of saying Martin Luther King's name. The only reason he apologized, he references a viewer who called and complained. Translation, if no one said anything, I wouldn't have to apologize. Well, I mean, at some point in time, again, and I I argue this a lot on this program, there is clearly real racism in this world. And I think when you see it, you need to call it out. And I think people who behave in racist fashions, you know, deserve to have consequences. There's no question about it. But at the same time, whether it's the whether it's the newscaster yesterday in in St. Louis or the weather guy two weeks ago in Rochester, New York, and you're doing a live broadcast and you're speaking quickly and you're trying to get through the information, occasionally you will flub words. That's just the reality. It comes with the territory. And if, if it turns out that in that flub, 
you end up saying something that you clearly did not intend. This idea that you're going to get fired, I, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. I, I've told this story before, so bear with me. There, there used to be a guard who played for the Green Bay Packers, and I, I don't do sports shows, but every once in a while, if the name would come up on this program, I would always have to take a deep breath and slow down because I wanted to make sure that I pronounced the name Josh Sitton, exactly correct. Greg Matzik just walked in. I mean, it, you know, you know, Greg, I'm sure there's like lots of names like that, but it's always, I, I always, if that name ever came up, Josh Sitton. And I wanted to make sure I clearly enunciated because I didn't want to mispronounce that name. You, you know what I'm talking about? I knew where you were going and who you were talking <laughs> right. about as soon as I sat down because I experienced the same thing. I, exactly. And and that I, I bring that up only to only to say that, you know, you, you can you just have to be careful and I, and I appreciate it. I know I try to be careful and everybody tries to be careful, but my I do kind of feel bad for whether it's the weather guy in Rochester or the broadcaster yesterday in St. Louis who have no malicious or evil intent. It's just one of the things that happens when you you do live live radio, and every once in a while you don't stop and say, "Josh, sitting," you know, you you rush it together, and you know somebody might be offended or something, but there's no intent, and people shouldn't be fired for losing for for doing that. And in this case, the guy in St. Louis yesterday wasn't fired, which to me is a victory for common sense. Two sixteen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 19 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We'll, we will keep you posted on the weather. It appears they're, they're upping the, the snow totals for a little bit. So, again, if, I, with, with the cautionary thing that nobody needs to necessarily overreact, you do want to be safe and you do want to be smart. We'll continue to keep you updated as the first you know, significant, I think, storm of the winter blows through the area starting sometime this evening. There are winter storm warnings for a good portion of our listening area. All right. I want to switch gears Totally and completely. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I um, I, I have a dog, and my little dog just absolutely makes my heart melt. At one point in time, I suggested to my wife, I said, "Hun, what do you think about getting a second dog? To which I got that look that all you ladies have learned from your mother, that look that says, I married a lunatic. And she's like, well, you know, do you, what what why would we get a second dog and i'm thinking well if if we're not home uh, sasha would have somebody to play with and all and 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 then what she correctly pointed out to me is is my dog my dog thinks she's a person and my dog doesn't necessarily in, in t- occasions where we, we put her with other dogs she doesn't want anything to do with the other dogs <laughs> she, she just doesn't she's very territorial and I'm, I'm not saying that she picks fights and stuff but she it's not like it would be a touchy-feely sort of thing plus there's all the always the factor that um, I think a second dog. Uh, my guess is it's more than twice as much trouble. That that's just my take. So anyhow, that idea was quickly shot down. So you know it, it it's fine. It's just Fran and me, and it and it's Sasha moving forward. I, I bring this up because there was a story in the local newspaper the other day about about pets, and it focuses on pets, and it particularly targets Greenfield. Here's the way the start, story starts. If you like a house full of dogs or cats, you might not want to live in Greenfield, apparently one of the most restrictive communities in Milwaukee County when it comes to how many pets residents can have. Uh, Greenfield is one of five Milwaukee County communities that limits households to no more than two pets. The other 15 Milwaukee County communities are more liberal. Eight allow up to three pets, 
six allow four to six. River Hills has no limit. However, most communities, including Greenfield, allow families to go over the limit if they buy, wait for it, a pet fancier permit. So in other words, <laughs> in other words, there's a limit on pets, but if you're willing to shell out some dough, well, then they'll look the other way. Family buying, families buying the permits in almost any of the five restrictive communities can either have as many pets as they want or they can have up to eight or more, except for Greenfield. Greenfield lets fanciers have two more dogs or two more cats. So that would mean if you pay the extra dough, I don't know if it's 50 or 85 bucks or whatever, you could have up to four pets, cats and dogs. Other places let you have a lot more. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, we're, we are not talking about rural areas. I, I understand it's, it's different if you're you know, living on farmland in Washington County or in Dodge County or wherever, you know, we are talking about you know, essentially urban areas. So my question is this. Is it unreasonable to limit somebody like Greenfield does that essentially says, okay, you can pay, you can buy the extra permit, but no more than, than four pets? Is that an unreasonable restriction? Like I say, I... I mean, I toyed with the idea of getting a second dog. I was quickly disabused of that notion by my wife, and she's absolutely, by the way, totally right that, that it would have been a disaster for us on, on many, many levels. So we just have the one pet. I could see having two. Do you need more than four? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. 223, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Text line is overflowing with people saying, no, get that second dog. Get the the second dog. We have to convince my wife of that one. Um, All right. Here's the deal. Greenfield, with a pet fancier permit, right right now the rule is that you can only have, have two pets. With a pet fancier permit, you could have four. So, and and you, we're talking to cats and dogs. So, four of those, and that's the limit. Other communities in Milwaukee County allow you to have more six, eight. In some cases, no limit at all. In urban areas, is it unreasonable to say, "All right, you know, four cats, four dogs total"? That's the that's the number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Dave and Racine. Dave, good afternoon. I'm just wondering, is a pet to the term pet fancier? Is that is it just just limited to dogs and cats? What about uh, birds and um, reptiles? You know, lizards. Uh, you know, to turtles. What about uh, um, fish? You know, when it does, my understanding. Thanks for call, Dave. My understanding is. For, for the intent purpose of our discussion, we're not talking about birds and we're not talking about fish. We're talking about like cats and dogs and, and I would presume if people have pot-bellied pigs or something like that, it would include. But but we're talking about the things I believe that you need licenses for, like you need a cat license or you need a dog license. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Some people are, are very hostile with the, this the, this Greenfield rule, and I I will tell you... I don't have a problem with it. And, and, and here's, here's why. Again, I think a lot depends on, on the nature of the community. Are you talking about an, an urban area where houses are close together? 
Are you talking about, you know, farmland? Obviously, if you're talking about a rural area, to me, that's a completely and totally different dynamic. But at the same time, if you're talking about, again, an urban area, now I understand that in some places, for example, like like Cudahy, which is an urban area as well, and, and West Allis, you know, they they don't have a limit of four pets. They have a limit of up to five. So I, I understand that, that some communities disagree, but I guess on its surface, I, I don't think, you know, putting a limit of four four pets, cats or dogs, that doesn't strike me as being unreasonable. I'm, Of course, I, I am a pet lover, but if you're on small city lots, trying to keep track of three or four dogs seems to me to be, well, that, that seems to me to be a, a, a difficult enough situation. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you need more than pets, more than four? No, I here's a text. No, I don't think the Greenfield pet limits are unreasonable. These are subdivisions in the area, um, suburbs whose covenants prohibit more than one medium dog and, and two cats. I mean, yeah, there there are all sorts of different rules that are out there as to, you know, how many pets you can have. And if you live in a condo association, there, there's going to be rules like that. Greenfield, I don't believe, regulates the, the type of animal that you can have in any way, shape, or form. So if you wanted to have... You know, three or four Alaskan Huskies, I, I believe if you bought the pet uh, fancier permit, you could have the different Alaskan Huskies, but but you're limited to four. As somebody who is a pet lover, I think that's kind of a reasonable thing. And candidly, um, you know, would you want to live next door to somebody who, again, had four or five, six pets on some postage stamp size city lot? I don't think it's unreasonable to say, no, we're, we're going to balance your right to be a pet lover with Everybody else is right. All right. It is that point in time in the week, and Lord knows this has been one of those weeks where we put aside a lot of the heavy lifting and we lighten it up. Today's Pop Culture Corner, well, it ties in a little bit to what's going on in the weather. Stick around. It will be fun. Thirty-five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You know that. Okay. <laughs> we come back from the break, and something's going on at the computer screen. My my producer looks at me and says, "I'll fix it. Don't worry." I okay. I I, I got it. Need to know the names of the callers and stuff, but that's good. You, we'll figure this out. All right. It is that time in the week, and Lord knows this has been one of those weeks between. The, the ongoing government shutdown and just a lot of the overall tensions, it is time to put away the, the heavy lifting, to stop arguing about who's right, who's wrong in the government shutdown, to stop worrying about do we need to have taxes for this or that or the other thing, and have a little bit of fun as we lead into the good weekend. I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. We do this every week, and it's generally based on some weeks we talk about films and sometimes TV and sometimes food and sometimes travel and sometimes sports. It's just a lighter segment based on typically sometimes music, something that's gone on in a given week that has tickled my fancy that I hope will, will tickle yours. And today's Pop Culture Corner, by the way, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, it's um, at Jeff Wagner 620 You can kind of uh, – I, I try to give a head start as, as to what we're going to talk about. But today's Pop Culture Corner is a confluence of pop culture – 
and current events. What is the current event? Well, it is the weather. As we have been talking about, well, it's been discussed for several days, um, there's a winter storm warning out for our listening area. Depending on where you are in the area, the estimates are somewhere between five. Now it's up to like five to nine inches, and that's that's a variety, but it depends on how close to the lake you are, how close you are to the border, et cetera, et cetera. But we're, we're going to have the first significant winter storm of of the year it's not going to be a blizzard you know you you know you got to be smart about this but it's not like people roads are going to be impassable for days but we're going to have a significant snowfall and it's going to be followed up by cold well one of the things that i remember when, when i was a kid is i used to love the snow days you know when you get the heavy snow and stuff and you're just kind of home and and maybe in the afternoon you go out and you um you know you you do sledding or make uh, have snowball fights or whatever but one of the things that i used to like about the snow days was all right th- this is my chance to kind of sit down Maybe, you know, you make a fire or turn on the fireplace if you've got a gas fireplace now. Get yourself a cup of hot coffee or maybe your favorite adult beverage or a cup of cocoa or whatever. And sit down and, and watch watch that movie on TV. Put in, in the old days, it used to be you'd put in the DVD or you'd put in, uh, you know, the... Um, the the VHS tape, you know, back in the day. Nowadays, with Netflix and stuff, you can pretty much... You can pretty much live stream. You can find any movie you want to watch when you're snowed in. So, all right, if the weather predictions pan out, snow followed by cold, this might be a good weekend to maybe carve out some time, stay home, and watch a good movie. So for Pop Culture Corner today, I want to discuss the best film for a snow day. Now, it, it could be like a winter-related film. I, I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. It, it's you. You're at home. You've got the fireplace on. The weather outside is frightful. And you just want to stay home and hang out and have a little bit of fun and enjoy yourself. All right, what what is the movie for the snow day? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, as I always advise during these segments, you know, I encourage you to call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. And you don't have to overthink this. But if you're sitting at home, don't have to go to work, or maybe in this case it's a Saturday, but you don't really feel like going out and braving the elements, the movie that you want to fire up and watch for the snow day, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's Pop, pop Culture Corner. What would you advise people? It's going to be snowing outside. If you just want to hunker down and entertain, watch some entertaining films, what's the movie for the snow day? We discuss in just a minute. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll be back to talk about it in just a minute. It's 2.39. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two forty-two, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, we're going to get some snow this weekend. We're talking for Pop Culture Corner. We're talking about movies for snow days. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Chris says, "Love the movie Uncle Buck." You can't go wrong with anything with John Candy. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Diane in Waukesha. Diane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I want to 
watch on Golden Pond. It's a summer movie where you can see people water skiing and fishing and swimming. You know, <laughs> get me warmed up. Well, plus, I mean, thanks for the call, Diane. Plus, I mean, on Golden Pond, Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn, Jane Fonda, I believe Henry Fonda's last movie. And, of course, it, it deals with conflicted relationships between uh, fathers and daughters. And that, I think, was kind of what was going on with uh, Henry and Jane Fonda. So there's sort of an autobiographical element. I like On Golden Pond. 414-799-1620. Your movie for a snow day. Let's talk to Gary downtown. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, it's Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Uh, um, Elizabeth the Golden, but Kate Blanchett. I think I, I watched that last night, I think, or maybe oh, two nights ago. I had phenomenal. not seen it before. but I, I, Phenomenal. I, yeah. Very deep. Yeah, really well done. And there's well done. There, no, thanks for calling. Right, it, it was just I kind of like those sort of period piece types of things. And I don't remember if it was last night or two nights ago. Um, but but I it was on, and I I kind of got drawn into it. And yeah, Elizabeth the Golden, that was good. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's see, Slapshot. Great hockey movie. Well, sort of with Paul Newman. Um, that would be the movie that I would watch. Cool Runnings. That's the movie about them. Going to the text line now. That would be the movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, Animal House. Well, I don't know. I don't know that that's a snowed in movie, but I like it. Number of people are saying what they would do is, is you'd, you'd have a Godfather marathon. Godfather one and two for sure. Some people are saying we wouldn't go to three. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Marie in New Berlin. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Marnie. Hi, Marnie. Hi. 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 Um, Sleepless in Seattle, or You've Got Mail. Oh, okay. so you kind of like those romantic things, huh? Yeah, cuddle up with some pajamas and a blanket and some hot chocolate. And just make watch a feel-good movie. Th- thanks for the call. Sleepless in Seattle with Meg Ryan. Um, matter of fact, that was that was that was on. Well, that was on last night. It was on like at 11 o'clock on one of the channels that I was watching. I was watching a movie earlier, and I, I didn't. I ended up not coming back to it. But Sleepless in Seattle would be a great one. 414-799-1620. Russell in Brookfield. Russell, what's your movie for a snow day? Uh, the big, greatest movie of all time, of course, Jaws. <laughs> okay, tell, tell me why Jaws for a snow day. Just because you like Jaws? <laughs> Yeah, just because I like Jaws, it has such it has tension, it has humor, it has drama, it has uh, marital relations, it has every aspect of mm-hmm. film. Just about it has father son uh, things, it has partners, it has yeah. uh, danger, it has great music. Yeah, no, it, there's, there's no question. I mean, th- thanks for going. I mean, I, I love I loved Robert Shaw in that. I loved Roy Schreider. I, I I still remember. I am old enough to remember when that movie first came out. I, I, I took a date to see that. I think when that, that big shark comes out of the water, when the first time, when you didn't know that was going to happen, the first time you see that whole shark, I think I still have, have her her fingerprints in my arm for where she grabbed me. 414-799-1620. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Your movie for a snow day. Hey, Jeff. Mine Hi. is John Carpenter's version of The Thing, because uh, even though the weather is unpleasant, I would still be grateful that I'm not out dealing with what these guys are dealing with in the Arctic. Um, right. And So you're talking about the remake. You're not talking about the original version of The Thing that came out in the 50s. 
Correct. Yeah. A remake with like Kurt Russell from right. like the early eighties. Right. No, thanks. For, I, I I mean of course and that that's set in this that's set in this really cold area, you know what I mean, right? It, it's the Arctic or Antarctic or whatever, and you've got this this alien that's tracking people. Um let's see, number of people are saying home alone, which again the you know, a great great Christmas time sort of movie. Grumpy old men or grumpier old men. Number of people are talking about that. And see, one of the great things about like snow day movies is they don't have to be restricted to a genre. A couple people are mentioning on the text line The Shining with Jack Nicholson, which is like kind of the ultimate haunted house movie, the adaptation of the Stephen King book. And you've got, you know, Jack Nicholson and the family, you know, trapped in this kind of haunted house in the middle of nowhere. 414-799-1620. Snow day movies. Let's talk to Nancy in Rosendale. Nancy, you're WTMJ, hello. Hey, hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, your movie for a snow day is? The Snowman. Okay. The uh, animated version with the haunting, awesome music. <laughs> well, there you... Really? Right, well, sure, and I mean, and, and it's perfect. It's a perfect, like, weather-related sort of thing. No, thanks for the call. I, I get it. 414-799-1620. Greg in Germantown. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there, good afternoon. My movie is 8 Below for a couple reasons. Number one, it's a good winter movie. It's set in a location that doesn't have uh, ordinances for how many dogs you can have. <laughs> Paul Walker, and I would encourage you, get that second dog. Okay, well, I well, see, that's, thanks for I'm not necessarily the one that you have to convince. That would be, see, in, in our household, as I always explain, we have a division of authority. I am in charge of the important things like world peace, and my wife is in charge of pretty much anything else. And and candidly, as as I frequently pointed out, I'm not doing such a great job on world peace. So I'm I'm not the one that you know you, you have to convince. Okay, what do you, what movie do you end up watching on a snow day? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Linda in Milwaukee. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Okay, movie for so, a snow so day. I would watch Miracle on Ice. All right, the story of the um, the Olympic team. Olympic yeah, yeah. Are, it's all good, great feeling and icy and snowy, and it's just a great win. Do you are you old enough to remember when that that happened? I am. I am too. Yeah, <laughs> that, that I, I, I you know I just don't. It's one of these things that for for people who didn't live through that time. I don't think anybody realizes what a big deal it was for the U.S. hockey team to to win the gold medal. Yeah, all around. There's so many great stories in the movie that it just says a lot about just the team, the teamwork and everything. It's um, a great story. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Caroline in Whitefish Bay. Caroline, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Okay. Uh, there's nothing like uh, going my way with Bing Crosby. And uh, Barry Fitzgerald, as well, oh, right? All the old classics. Yeah, uh, I, Ingrid Bergman and all the old classics. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that that you know, going. I mean, thanks for you know, going my way is just tremendous. And of course, uh, Ingrid Bergman was in the Bells of St. Mary's, which was the sequel, sort of the sequel to, to uh, Going My Way. But yeah, th- those those are some great movies. And I'm I'm wondering, I always often wonder if because the stuff isn't black and white, but do new generations you know continue to watch them? Let's see. Um, I I sent this out again. I on. I tweeted this out earlier. You can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, one of the links that were like winter movies to watch on your next snow day. Here's a couple. Fargo. I mean, just, just something to think about. Fargo. Now, it's not, it's 
Uh, I never get tired of that one. Frozen. I watched Frozen the other night, and that's pretty good. Home Alone. There is one that a number of people have mentioned. I don't see any of our callers mentioning it right now, but um, Groundhog Day. I think you can argue that, that Groundhog Day might be the greatest snow day movie ever with with Bill Murray. I mean, it just, you never get tired of it. And, and of course, Groundhog Day is coming up rel- relatively soon. And what, there's one of the, the cable stations that shows it 24 hours a day, which I think is this great irony. But those are just a couple as well. 414-799-1620. Kathy in Montello. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, you just said it, but it's best at night. Fargo, by far. <laughs> okay, go Bears. <laughs> go, I, I just, I mean, it's so, it's one of these movies that even though I've seen it a million times, I, I never get tired of it because the the performances are so great and it's just so flat out strange <laughs> that it attracts me. Right, it's wonderful. Right, and then I mean, thanks. And then, of course, I mean, it's, again, if you're talking about the snow day, I mean, you get these kind of bleak landscapes. No offense to people who who live in that part of the world, and you know, there's the 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 scene towards the end where the Steve Buscemi character has all this money and he's looking for a place to bury it, and he goes out in this road and everything looks the same, and he digs this little hole and puts a um, ice scraper in it to help him, you know, to help remind him of that. Uh, the thing, and I'm, I'm going back to this list of things that. Uh, people add the thing that's one that's out there harry potter and the sorcerer's stone that would be the original um that would be the original harry potter movie ice age which of course was animated that's a pretty good one as well the shining people have mentioned that 414-799-1620 carol in west Dallas. hi carol you're on wtmj hi jeff i listen to you all the time you are a woman of discerning taste i appreciate that (laughs) everybody's talking about snow movies snow days how about an Alfred Hitchcock marathon? Oh, a marathon. Okay, what would be? What's your favorite one? I would say the birds. Okay, the birds. Got it. All right. Um, there, there's so many. I, I, I. You know, I might go back a little bit sooner. I like Vertigo. I like Rear Window. Oh, you know. Um, but there, there's so many good ones. But yeah, the the birds were anything by Hitchcock. Now, thanks to call I, the man who knew too much. I I love those. Greg and Fond du Lac. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I love this segment every week. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I am an old car guy, and I love the movie American Graffiti. It's oh. just, it's you know, it's just great with cars and and mm-hmm. all the stuff that went on back in the fifties. Well, you know, the other great thing about American Graffiti is all the people that are in that movie. I mean, when when you, th- I mean, Harrison Ford, he's making his debut, and Suzanne Summers before, um, you know, b- before Three's Company, and and Ron Howard, and you know, just and it, Cindy Williams. It, the, the list just goes on and on. Wolfman Jack, all those different people that are in it. It's 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 really it's amazing the cast that he was able to assemble yes it was yeah no i i mean thank that that's that's just an outstanding one as well okay let me go back to the text line number of people are saying the shining steve says misery um yeah that matter of fact that's on the list of the things i tweeted out of like the the top 20 snow days i just find misery to be hard to watch shawshank redemption great snow day movie um let's see a marathon of james bond movies a couple people are mentioning um a couple people are mentioning uh misery anything with clint eastwood well, I mean, okay, I mean, yeah, it's cold outside. You put on the good, bad, and the ugly, and you, you, you can't go wrong with that. Just a lot of great choices that are out there. I think I'm going to go back, and I'm going to say if you, if you put 
if you put a gun to my head and say you have to choose one, for me the Snow Day movie is is going to be it 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 is going to be Groundhog Day. I would also a couple people were texting maybe one of the epics, a, a Doctor Zhivago, for example, or. Or a Lawrence of Arabia, something like that. Bottom line is, have some fun if you decide that the weather outside becomes too frightful. Um, that fire can, in fact, be delightful. Where did I hear that before? Fire up the uh, fire up the TV and get some entertainment. Make that hot chocolate or maybe something a little bit stronger if you like and enjoy yourselves. All right, it is two fifty four. John McCure and Elizabeth Bark Elizabeth Melissa Barkley are on the road. We're going to find out what's going on with them. Stick around. 255. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.